let me start by saying something about dissociation. Dissociation is a mental ability. It's something our brains do as a way of organizing information and helping us um, perform at our best. At all everyone's favorite athletes rely on dissociation, mm-hmm. right? You know, you hear about, I'm sure, the football player who's just lost uh, his mom or his dad, and everyone just feels brokenhearted for him. And he comes in and he plays his best game ever. That's dissociation, because the mind has that ability to cut off some piece of consciousness, some set of feelings, and focus completely on something else. Um, You know, musicians, every type of performer, peak performer, relies on dissociation to, to perform at that level. We also dissociate, we also dissociate under stress. Doctors, nurses, paramedics, all depend on dissociation, right? How else do they manage life or death situations? Their feelings cut out and they, and they suddenly have access to all this information. Do that, get this medication, um, right? And it flows because they're dissociated. When, when we are in a prolonged unsafe situation, which includes child abuse, domestic violence, war, you know, most types of trauma are prolonged. It's not one bad thing that happens and then there's a happy childhood. It's a prolonged experience of being, of being trapped in a dangerous situation. And so the the brain relies more on dissociation, especially we believe when the abuse starts very young. So when children have no ability to protect themselves. And the structural dissociation model says that there is a survival-oriented way that our brains are organized to dissociate when necessary. Because the brain isn't actually one thing. The brain is made up of many structures that communicate with each other through neural networks. And And we're split, you know, we have a left brain and we have a right brain. So that's the biggest structural split in the brain. And it lends itself to helping us survive difficult situations. And that's the structural dissociation model is called structural because it's based on the premise that the structure of the brain creates the sort of playing field to be able to fragment and dissociate to survive. So the old theories of dissociation were focused on this idea that dissociation created 
little kind of capsules of memory. The dissociation was a way to avoid remembering. This theory, the structural dissociation theory, says, no, no, no. Dissociation is a way of ensuring that we make it to the next day. So it's really different change in perspective. So I, I immediately felt that this theory was was solid ground for any any therapist because it wasn't based on a metaphor or an idea. It was actually based on neurology. So I started using it in probably the mid to late 90s. Um, and then I was also really influenced by internal family systems because that too is a, is about fragmented parts of the personality. And it has wonderful techniques, but not but a not a solid scientific foundation. So I put the two together, the solid foundation of structural dissociation theory with the beautiful techniques of, of IFS. And I created my approach, which is called Trauma-Informed Stabilization Treatment, or TIST, T-I-S-T, because all trauma treatments have to have initials, right? Because right? so, it it's makes very it, true. It, it's right. It's it is true, uh, and so it's very exciting to be able to uh, to help people who have been the most difficult to treat, who haven't understood themselves, who therapists haven't understood, that suddenly makes sense if we look through the lens of this bottle. You know, many trauma survivors find it difficult to have compassion for themselves, but whenever you're able to separate, you know, separate parts and it's a lot easier to have a, have compassion for maybe an eight-year-old version of yourself that's been through the trauma than it is um, mm -hmm. your current self. Could you maybe tell us a bit more about, about that and why that might help people? Well, because this, I, my theory is no one knows just to start off. Right? Let's admit what we don't know. No one knows why trauma survivors have almost a phobia of self-compassion. Um, you know, there's, they have very strong reactions. You're asking me to have compassion for myself? How could you? Um, and uh, and I th my theory is that that's because self-compassion is dangerous in a dangerous world. Right? We can't afford to pause and have compassion for ourselves because we have to be on high alert. We have to be on guard, have to be ready to run, have to be ready to hide. And, and so self-compassion doesn't work. You know, can you imagine a soldier at war pausing to have a few moments of self-compassion? It's, it's not safe. So, but most every trauma survivor I've ever met, 
I actually can't think of anyone of the hundreds or thousands of trauma survivors I've met in 41 years of practice. I've never met anyone who didn't have compassion for small animals, for children, for people who are hurt or wounded or infirm in some way. And so I saw in my clients, they have a wealth of compassion for everyone else. They just can't have it for themselves. So I started saying, well, you don't have to have compassion for yourself, but you do need to have compassion for that little boy who went through so much. That's <laughs> no, it's not fair. And when they say, well, I just wish he'd go away. I, you know, I don't have any compassion. I say, so really, are you the kind of person who, if you see a child on the street looking upset, you just walk by and say, shut up, you little brat? Is that what you do? And they are all like, no, no. And I say, well, what would you do if you saw the little boy on the street? And they all say universally, say, well, I'd get down to his level and I'd say, little boy, are you all right? Right? Is somebody here to take care of you? And right, so they behave compassionately. And I'd say, okay, that's all I'm asking you to do with this, this other little boy who happens to be inside you. And, and so they learn. They learn how to use that same compassion they have for their dog, their cat, the little child in the, you know, in the supermarket who is crying in the middle of the aisle. Uh, they, they learn to take that compassion and offer it to their young wounded parts. Could you maybe talk about, is it earned secure attachment? Is that the right? Um, can you tell us about that there and how people can start actually developing that and cultivating that kind of relationship internally? You know, because I think if you can gift somebody that there, there are very few things that could be of more benefit to anybody in their life, you know, to, to have that kind of relationship with themselves. Right. And it's easier to get there by having those relationships with one's part um, because it's much more complicated, you know, self-acceptance is more complicated because I've got to accept the good, the bad, and the ugly, <laughs> right? And that's a big package to accept, but I can help people um, accept their parts and develop some, some affection and empathy for those parts. And when they start to have warm feelings, toward their parts, that, that really, when I mean, this is the great thing about the body perspective, we humans have a brain that allows us to imagine experiences we've never had. And when we imagine those experiences, we evoke the same emotional and physical reactions we would if we were actually having those experiences. So when I help my clients to put an arm around a child part of themselves, 
to offer acceptance and warmth toward this little child. They start to feel the feelings of secure attachment that none of them have had for a minute. But it's like, it's like teaching my grown-up brain to offer that secure attachment to the child parts of me. And when we do that, we start to develop an internal sense of, of secure attachment, which is what earned secure attachment is. It's the development of secure attachment as an adult. A question just popped into my mind there. I'm just going to ask it because I'm really curious. You've worked with so many people and helped to, you know, reduce a lot of suffering in people's lives. Um, what's your view on what's possible for human consciousness? You know, how good could it get if we were to really, you know, get this right? I think it's one of those, you know, those kind of existential questions that's very important. We may not be able to answer it, but we at least can ask it, right? And, and you know, that is something we don't understand. We don't understand, you know, we don't understand why some people are more resilient than others. Um, we don't understand why some people recover spontaneously from traumatic events and other people suffer for years and decades. Um, and if we knew the answer, you know, if we knew the answer, we could help everyone be more resilient, right? right? Um, the thought is that secure attachment in childhood conveys a resilience, conveys, gives us, it's like, you know, getting, vaccinated or like we get we get immunized with all this positive safe secure attachment and it has a buffering effect against stress mm. and so that's both a very sad and a very hopeful explanation very sad because it takes so much for parents to to offer secure attachment. I don't know if you're a parent, but uh, trust me, it's a lot of work. And, and not, you know, and many parents are living at the edge of their, right? They're just struggling to get through each day and feed their children. Um, they much less um, to have the ability to offer them safety and security. So, um, so we shall see. There are more mysteries to solve. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to hear the full version, you can do so with the Weekend University Premium Membership. This gets you access to our master library of over 230 talks and interviews with the world's leading psychologists, professors, and authors, as well as transcripts, CPD certification, quizzes and unlimited access to the recordings from our annual conferences. For more information, please go to theweekenduniversity.com forward slash membership.